The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision. Hey everybody, welcome into Mining Stock Daily. We have a market commentary today, our first market commentary of the year. Uh, happy to be welcomed by our good friend, Mr. Craig Hemke. But before we get into the conversation with Craig, quick look at what the market's doing today in precious metals. Gold is having another nice day. Uh, not quite as high as it was yesterday, but still up, uh, up to 1953 February gold. Uh, that is a 0.3% increase. Uh, silver also in the green up 23 cents to 27.59 that's a just under one percent gain uh the miners per the gdx uh really gapped up to start off the trading but it certainly came down and pushed up off those lows but still uh doing pretty well hanging in there relatively flat for the day uh craig we didn't get a chance to uh speak uh you know up into the holidays so i'm glad uh, we can really open up uh 2021 uh, with you because these conversations, we, you and I usually have a plan of what we're going to talk about, and then we get off the rails a little bit. So let's make, <laughs> let's make sure to do that again. How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to be visiting with you, Trevor. We get into the holidays, and obviously, we'll, we'll focus on gold right now. You know, we, we saw this continued consolidation. It's some, a little bit of volatility. Uh, gold got sold off later in the year, but really bounced up and rebounded nicely. But then yesterday, the first day of trading, gold just ripped ripped higher. Really exciting to see. Hey, what, what were your thoughts? What, what, what was that action telling you yesterday? Well, it, you know, it's potentially pretty important stuff. Uh, you mentioned uh, going into the holiday season. A lot of times, once you get past the tax law selling, particularly out of Canada, the miners tend to pick up uh, right near Christmas and in that last week of the year. And the metals often also, you know, begin to anticipate what has turned into a pretty good seasonal trade. In fact, um, the last seven Januaries have all been good, have all been green. In gold, over the last seven years, the average up move in January is 4.84%. Okay, so an average move this January, take us right back up to 2000, and hell, we got half of it yesterday. Uh, probably more important though, are the technical implications. And, uh, you know, I, we study and, and, and plot some TA stuff at TF Metals Report, but it's more of a manipulation analysis than it is technical analysis in that you know that if the banks are in there, you know, trying to profit every day and screw everybody as they do it, that, you know, they're, they're, they're want to paint the charts in a certain manner sometimes uh, to suck people in, you know, that sort of thing right before they smash price. So you, you, if you understand that they can use TA against you, that's, that's critical. Um, however, in a pure technical analysis sense, um, sometimes it can be a, a impactful and important, especially the smaller the market, um, because it tends to be kind of a, a self-reinforcing virtuous cycle sometimes. You know, if you get uh, you know, in a smaller market or a smaller individual equity, if you get everybody that's following it, looking at the same technical indicator, and then that technical indicator gives a buy or a sell signal, 
Well, then the thing kind of feeds on itself, right? It's like, look at that. We broke the 200-day moving average. And if everybody notices at the same time that you broke the 200-day moving average, then a lot of times, you know, things don't go so well for you. Well, let's uh, relate that to gold and silver. Um, since this consolidation began back in August, which is almost identical to what we did last year, we peaked in early September and then consolidated all the way into the middle of December, um, there's been a clear downtrend in the charts. If you wanted to make it a little channel, you could actually draw on a chart what technicians call a bull flag, which is a downward channel within an, an existing bull market, just a consolidation phase. And once you break out of that bull flag, people will begin to target, you know, something like 10% the above the previous high, that sort of thing. Well, silver had a very clear bull flag on the daily chart. In fact, there were five intraday highs. Actually, well, let's put it this way. You got the high from back in August when we got to near uh, 30. And then four highs after that, that all connected perfectly in a line. So there's your top of your bull flag. And silver broke out and got above its 50-day moving average in late December and now is clearly running. And people are starting to give these you know, higher price projections. Well, gold had its little bull flag. It broke out yesterday. And uh, if it can now hold, and this that's a big if, uh, you don't want it to immediately reverse like we had in November. I mean, we might want to talk about that, Trevor. But if it can hold through the week uh, and then extend past those November highs, which are up around 1962, people are going to, I mean, universally, technical an analysis uh, or analysts will look at that and go, oh, look at that bull flag. Look at it, it's breaking out. And then all of a sudden, everybody's going to be talking about, you know, the old highs and then 10% more. And they're going to say, and it, it, again, becomes kind of this virtuous cycle because everybody sees the same thing and starts expecting the same result and starts buying. And so anyway, yesterday was a big day. Um, yes, in silver, that's nice. And it's still chugging high, uh, higher, uh, but potentially very big day for gold. So we're going to want to watch it the rest of the week. I'm glad you mentioned that, TA, because obviously, you know, I am not the brightest technical, you know, technical <laughs> technician Me with the either. charts. Um, but I know some basics. And I did see that flag. Uh, however, mm -hmm. I thought I saw it back in, when was it? August when we, or September when we got, when we dropped below it. Right. Uh, it turns out I was just wrong at that time. But so I did see it last week. But then as we broke out yesterday, early in the morning, I also made the argument in my own chart and my own being my own naivete that maybe this is a rising wedge, which is ultimately bearish technically. Yeah. Okay. So I'm with you. I, I just think like yesterday's move was incredible. It caught me by surprise. However, I just think you still proceed with caution. And I think there's a number of reasons why you do it this week. None. That, and I think we'll be finding out maybe a little bit more tonight. Uh, unfortunately, right. there's some politics involved in this whole thing. Uh, the Georgia Senate runoff. Uh, it seems like there's a toss-up. I think you could go to any sort of polling place and uh, get some sort of uh, thesis of who's going to win out. But let's just play. Let's play both sides of this table here, uh, if we must, Craig. Sure. Let's let's play the card that the Republicans hold on to both seats. How do we play this? Yeah. Well, this this is a valid concern. I wrote about it on my site this morning. Um, and like I said, I mean, the breakout is nice yesterday, but 
it, it needs to be confirmed, you know, with more daily closes and then a weekly close as a breakout. And we got a lot of a week to go. You know, the banks, you know, JP Morgan and the rest, you know, collectively they're net short 300,000 COMEX contracts. They know this, right? So they're, they're not in any hurry to see some breakout that gets everybody excited. And so I look at the chart today and this just, this gives me uh, a very short term caution here because uh, I'll go back to the U.S. general election, which was Tuesday the 3rd, right? Yeah. And then they're like, okay, well, we'll see. And gold was up against uh, the trend line that had been pushing it down since September and up against its 50-day moving average. And the day after the election, when it first appeared, you know, we didn't know for sure who won, gold went down like $20. And everybody was, this is really frustrating. Geez, you'd think, you know, well, guess what? On Thursday the 5th, gold rose $50.40, breaking above the 50-day, breaking out of, you know, of, you know, what looked to be the downtrend from the middle of September uh, and looking really good. It then followed that up with about a $5 rally on uh, Friday the 6th of November. And then in the wee hours before the market could open on Monday the 9th, we got the Pfizer news. Remember that? Seems like <laughs> so long ago. But yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> and gold, I mean, yeah, okay, you expect gold to go down. Gold was hit for a hundred freaking dollars. I mean, they smashed it, obliterated it, and took out the 50-day again. It completely reversed everything that happened the week before. Okay, so guess what? <laughs> How much were we up yesterday? and breaking out of a key technical resistance line. $51.50, almost identical candle. As we speak today, how much is gold up? About $5. The chart is almost identical to what it was uh, as we wrapped up that week right after the US election. And now tonight we've got this Georgia election that nobody has any idea of what's gonna happen. But my concern for Tomorrow is that uh, the Repub the R Republicrats, as I call them, because I think it's all just one party. There's an R Republicrat and a D Republicrat. But if the R's hold at least one seat, then all the concern about how much money printing and stuff that uh, the Democrats might be able to do over the next two years is going to you know, be replaced by more thoughts of gridlock instead, with McConnell still in charge. And we could get a pretty decent spike in an oversold dollar index tomorrow. You know, it's all, I mean, it's down to 89.50 and everybody, so many people are short and it appears to be oversold on a lot of technical indicators. What if all of a sudden tomorrow we get like a, a point spike or a three quarter point spike in the dollar? I don't think they can hit gold for $100 like they did on November the 9th, but they could sure hit it for 40 or 30 and try to, get the ball rolling into later of the week to get us back down inside and underneath that banner, that, that top boundary back underneath the flag. So that's, that's my concern. If the, you know, we can talk about what happened at the Democrats win, but in the very short term, uh, my concern is that all of yesterday's gains might get reversed in a spike in the dollar tomorrow. If the Republicans get at least one seat. If the Democrats pull this up and sweep it, my fear is that there's a frenzy into gold and it goes up too fast, too <clears throat> quick, once again. Hmm. Yeah, but you know, that's kind of a, that's in the eye of the beholder. You know, you can get extremely overbought, run your eyes, RSI up into the 80s or something like we did back in uh, in early August. 
I don't think we're there just yet. Um, and I, and I, you know, even if we rallied again uh, over the next week and moved up through 1960 and 1980, I still don't, I don't see us skyrocketing. Now, as you go, you know, if, if Biden is inaugurated and the, you know, and the new Congress gets seated with all of these Democrats completely in charge, you might get some pretty consistent momentum. Um, but I, I, I would be surprised if we were 2080 again, you know, by inauguration day or something, you know, two weeks from now, I, that, I, I would be surprised. And, and if it did happen, you'd be like, yeah, there's probably gonna be a pullback before we go to new highs. Would it really be interesting, Trevor? And I expect this at some point in the first half of the year is a move to new highs, at least, at least in gold. And then a move to new highs versus last year in silver. Cause I think the mining shares have been in kind of a little show me category since August and they've been their own little bull flag and a lot of institutions and folks that just see the miners as cash flow burners, you know, resource burners, um, you know, just weren't buying the gold price and what that could do for earnings. I think you start making new highs in the metals, you might get a real serious uptick in institutional, but also retail, you know, Robin hood kind of interest in some of the shares. And that could make things pretty exciting. Uh, this is a good segue. I know beginning of the year, you usually put out some targeting information for the precious metals. You have not done that yet for your subscribers. Uh, so I'm wondering if we could chat about that without yeah. you giving away uh, too much. And, and, and <laughs> the, okay. the reason I, the reason I asked is I was actually on another uh, podcast as a guest actually with Chris Marcus, uh, Arcadia Economics, and he asked me about you know my forecast for silver. And, you know, I, I'm not a great forecaster, but I did say, you know, I, I don't think that $50 high that we saw, you know, 12 years ago or whatever is necessarily out of the question because it just kind of seems to be that point. But it definitely seems like silver needs to play more catch up with gold. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. <clears throat> Absolutely. Especially when you see, you know, gold exceeding its all time highs and silver, you know, still was kicking around. Uh, down 40% or so, <clears throat> excuse me, from its all-time highs. Um, yeah, the annual forecast business, something I started doing five or six years ago. And uh, I, it always comes, you know, with a little disclaimer at the beginning because it's no fun to do, you know. <laughs> it's not. I mean, if you get it right, which I've done, I mean, here, attaboy, pat myself on the back, but if you get it right like I have the last couple of years, nobody cares. You know, all you get is, yeah, well, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Anybody could have seen that coming, you know, that kind of stuff. If you get it wrong, oh, crap, here come the trolls from every direction to tell you how stupid you are. <laughs> so there's not there's not a lot of upside, you know, in putting out long-term forecasts. There's so many variables involved, it really makes it challenging. But um, when there was a, let's call it a sea change that not a lot of people noticed in November and December of 2018. You know, the Fed had been, you know, pre spinning this illusion that they were tightening and going back to normalization of rates and normalizing the balance. Like they were going to go back to a trillion dollars in the balance sheet where they were in 2007. I mean, nobody believed that, but they kept saying that. And gold had been going sideways for five, six years. But in November of in December of 2018, they damn near broke everything because they tightened too much. The 10-year got to three and a quarter. You remember the stock market in December of 18 was crashing? 
Um, you may remember, Trevor, they even had an emergency meeting of the plunge protection team on uh, Christmas Eve. All right, well, that changed everything. And I thought, okay, well, the Fed's going to have to reverse course. And so in January of two years ago, I, I said, this is going to be the year we break out. And I gave gold a target of 1480 to 1520. And people thought I was crazy. Oh, you're just, you're just a pumper. You're just trying to get, you know, people excited to come to your site. And I thought, well, okay, sure. <laughs> but the main thing is I can see this change coming. And by June of 19, they changed course. We bro we'd broken out and we ended the year almost right at 1520. Well, then last year, I didn't know COVID was coming, but you could see that this was going to continue. They're going to have to keep cutting rates. They're going to have to keep, you know, trying to reliquify everything. They had the repo crisis going. Remember all that? Yes. I, I, I mentioned that this morning in my other podcast. There you go. So why? So I thought last year at this time, I thought, well, what would be a, a, the average gain in a bull market? You know, and I went back and looked, you know, from 2004 to 2011, there are a lot of years where gold put on a 20% gain. And I thought, I don't want to make this too simple, but... Okay, I could see us getting above 1550, then 1650, and going 1800. So that was my target for last year. And then you know, COVID hits, and we go to 21, and then we finish at 1901 or whatever. So that worked out pretty well. And I, but I thought silver'd only go to 22 because you know that's a modest from 1780 to 22 is that's 25%. That's a pretty good year, right? Yeah, even with that correction, with the right four or five so months we finished, ago, <laughs> we finished what forty eight percent at twenty six fifty. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah, you have no idea what this year is going. to, I mean, no idea what this year is going to hold. But I do know fundamentally all of the reasons that have driven things in nineteen and twenty continue. Uh, the negative real interest rates, a cap on nominal rates, driving them lower and lower, making those real interest rates more and more negative. Uh, and we're seeing that now, you know, we're seeing that play out in these, uh, the tip market and those break evens and, and future inflation projections and all that kind of stuff. We know the feds doing 120 billion a month in QE at a minimum all year long. I mean, all these things. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't a logical person deduce, you know, uh, the, the thing that keeps coming to my mind when I say this, uh, do you watch Christmas vacation every year? <laughs> okay. And remember that Eddie goes and gets uh, Brian Doyle Murray and brings him to the house and everything. And he finally realizes how he screwed everybody. And he says, okay, Griswold, take, take whatever you had last year and add 20%. And everybody gets all, I, why can't you do that? Why can't you just say, okay, um, in a continuing bull market, why wouldn't your target for this year be, you know, wherever we got to lat, you know, wherever we finished this year and add 20%. Same time. Let's look at it this way, Trevor. Um, in blasting through the old all-time highs uh, last summer, how far did we get? We got to 2080. That's about 10%. So you got through the old all-time highs and you went up 10% further before pulling back and consolidating. If we went through the old all-time highs at some point next year and added 10%, that's about 2300. If you add 20% to where we closed at 1901 on New Year's Eve, that's about 2300 Okay, that sounds like a good target. And like you and I say almost every time we chat, if you're not making money as a gold miner at these prices and you're doing right. something awfully wrong. Right. Um, you know, all that just really actually leads, leads into my next question, Craig, because, you know, there was a time where the Fed would print a million dollars and people thought, wow, that's a lot of money. And then the Fed would print 
a billion dollars. And people go, oh my God. And now the Fed prints trillions of dollars and people say, it's not enough. Right. Isn't that amazing? And then we, it, it, it seems like now, it, like, literally just this week, all of a sudden the inflation debate has finally hit mainstream. We've hit, it, it seems like that 2% inflation target by the Fed sounds like it's being met. But I do want to bring up this idea, which has been brought to my attention, that with the inflation target kind of being based on CPI and how unreliable really that inde- that right. that is. I pulled up um, a newsletter I subscribed to sent me the Chapwood Index. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar? Yes. Okay. For the 10 leading cities... For the past five years, 10, 10 largest cities in the U.S. for the last five years, inflation rates, according to this index, are anywhere between 8 and just over 12%. Right. Yes. Agreed. So where's the debate? Who's having the debate? That's- um, <laughs> again, the, and as flawed as it is, the only one that matters is the government, you know, .gov CPI. Because that's what the institutional money manager is looking at. That's what the bond market's looking at. Um, that's what your cost of living adjustments are based off of, you know, for Social Security recipients, that kind of stuff. And so as flawed as it is, that is what, unfortunately, everybody's going to count off. I mean, if you run computer programs to buy and sell gold futures based upon changes in real interest rates, which is your inflation-adjusted interest rate, that's going to be calculated not off the Chapwood Index or what John Williams says, but off the CPI. And so, um, unfortunately, it just is what it is. Is there a chance gold has just been sniffing this out for quite a while now? And we and why we yes. continue to have the debate internally amongst ourselves? Gold's kind of like you guys aren't really seeing the big picture here. Right. And you can see that in whether you call it the treasury break-evens or just in the straight-up price of the TIP ETF, which is an ETF of treasury inflation-protected securities. Um, That thing, I mentioned 2018, that thing bottomed um, 106 or 8 or something like that in November of 2018, and it has been in a steady uptrend ever since, uh, signaling uh, more and more negative these inflation-adjusted interest rates, meaning that if you get 1% of your 10-year treasury, but you have 2% inflation, your real return is negative 1%. You're losing 1% in purchasing power over the life of the bond. And negative real, uh, nominal rates, first of all, but negative real rates are the closest correlation to the gold price, the biggest driver of the gold price of anything, not the dollar, you know, all that stuff, the real rates. And uh, so anyway, so real rates have been trending lower now for over two years as gold has trended higher. And there, that TIP ETF finished the year. We call this a superfective bullishness um, on my side. Day, new daily high, new weekly high, new monthly high, new annual high. Um, all on the chart on December 31st. And it was up again yesterday. New all-time highs signaling deeper and more deeper negative in the future real interest rates. And um, yeah, that's what gold's sniffing out. And gold... Gold has kind of disconnected, if you plot them together, since November the 9th, um, but also maybe since August, early August. The current level of the tip, the current level of 
uh, break-evens, the current level of real interest rates uh, implies a gold price closer to 2100 than 1950. So we may, uh, if this if it continues higher, soon see gold rush to catch up. But you know, you're absolutely right, Trevor. I mean, gold um, and uh, the level is sniffing out that higher inflation, even by the CPI, at least. And you can see that through the move in uh, real interest rates. Yeah. Um, I, I only got a couple more minutes with you, Craig. So there's another theme that I wanted to pass along to you and get your thoughts. <clears throat> Seems like I'm, hear, I'm hearing on the commodity side, we're hearing more, way more bullish sentiment in commodities in general, mm-hmm. uh, just in the last couple of weeks as we close down 2020. And obviously, first couple trading days of this year, to the point where I've actually heard like commodity super cycle like no other. I've heard that. Yeah. The contrarian in me is a little bit, oh, maybe that's uh, not what I want to hear. Uh, but at the same time, can this spur that frenzy that we have been thinking was going to happen nonetheless sometime in the near future, giving all the macro events which, which have happened? Well, I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, Trevor, is the if the contrarian in you was looking at a more longer term picture, maybe the contrarian view is a breakout in a new uptrend because it's, commodity prices have been in the toilet for so long, right? That it's almost contrarian to think that they'd ever break out and go the other way. And there are a lot of folks that, you know, they pull up their stuff off of Bloomberg of the com- continuous commodity index or something and they show a breakout. I don't, you know, here's the thing. You know, in the bigger picture, you know, we know that the central banks have hated gold forever, right? And GATA is full of links from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s showing, you know, how they wanted to keep the gold price in check. But right now, with all their concern about reflation and inflation and keeping the plate spinning, I'm not sure the central banks aren't okay with a rising gold price, right? It's probably the least of their worries, huh? Right. Then you look at commodities. Again, they're doing everything they can to spark some inflation because they've got to inflate this debt away. That's why they want to have negative real rates and yield curve control like they did in the 40s after World War II when we got debt to GDP about these same levels. Uh, That's how they did it then. They want to inflate the debt away now. So they're desperate to spark inflation. Well, one way that the Fed can do that is to let the dollar just keep going down. And, you know, the inverse trade of that is... Your crude's back up to 50. Copper's at eight or nine year highs. Uh, you get, you know, what they're maybe striving for is some component, you know, or element of, of cost push inflation where the input costs brought about by rising commodity prices eventually get passed along into the end product and forced to the consumer. So you get that kind of cost, those input costs pushing inflation higher. So maybe the Fed's okay with higher inflation or higher uh, commodities as well. So there is potential for that. And then you think, okay, if that trickles all the way down, um, you and I and, uh, you know, people that are into precious metals consider silver a monetary metal because remember it's used through the millennia, but nobody else does. I mean, everybody else looks at it as a commodity that's used in industrial purposes, you know, solar panels and cell phones and stuff like that. So if commodities in general are beginning a pretty stout bull market, and they might be. Um, silver is going to play along. And then you start factoring in the investment demand that would come with it. And all of a sudden you start thinking about, you know, maybe shortages. Um, that picture gets 
pretty interesting in the years ahead. But uh, I do think there's big picture potential for a finally a turn in this downtrend in commodities has been going on for quite a while. Yeah, it'll be something to see. Uh, it's, you know, it, it just, from what I've seen online and Twitter, it seems like there's more people coming out of, you know, mainstream and looking into the metals complex yeah. than I've ever seen, you know, in the last five years. Yeah. Trevor, look at, I mean, there were banks, a lot of banks in the fourth quarter. They're you know, putting out research pieces saying silver going to 40 and 50. And you had that, that dude uh, in the gigantic suit kind of looks a little bit like David Byrne from Guggenheim. What's his name? Uh, Minard. He always wears like a suit that looks like it's five sizes too big. Um, anyway, maybe his, well, his number one conviction trade of last year was silver. Hey, that's pretty good. He made 40 some odd percent. Maybe he'll come out in a couple weeks and reiterate that. Um, then he can get himself a suit that fits. But uh, anyway, yeah, all the, I mean, these are like um, normal people, not you and I. You know, they're, they're like normal people that are coming out with these price targets, uh, of higher price targets of silver. So if that's the case, yeah, maybe that, again, that becomes like TA. It becomes a little self-fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, Craig, let's wrap it there. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Uh, Happy New Year. And man, uh, for everybody listening, uh, give them some information on TF Metals Report, where they can find you and what you do. Uh, Yeah. Well, thank you. TF Metals Report. We've been doing it now for over a decade. Oh, my goodness. And um, we wandered the desert for a few years there. Boy, no doubt about that. Um, but we have now crossed over and it seems like we're finally entering the promised land, all of us together. It's a, it's a good community. It's a, um, a people of all political stripes from people all over the world. And we're, we're all in this together trying to, uh, prepare for, you know, and, and manage all this madness. I put out a report every morning summarizing, you know, what's going on that day. And then a podcast at the end of the day, so you get quite a bit of content for your $15 a month. Um, but now boy, with this year starting, uh, man, in no time like the present. And you know what? I, I, I'll share this with you too, Trevor, if you don't mind. I um, I just recorded something with Max Kaiser yesterday. We like to do something at the first of the year too. And for Max's show, we put out a like a 50% off your first month coupon. Um, goes live today here on Tuesday because I think they're going to be putting that out tonight. So if you want to join TFMR and kind of kick the tires see if it's useful as we as we go in head into this year. You go there, you click the subscribe button, you can pick a monthly subscription, so 15 bucks a month. You enter a coupon code of MAX. We just use that one. I could come up with another one for Trevor, but you know what? That's just we'll just use MAX if you don't mind. Just enter the word MAX and you'll get half off your first month. It'll save you 750. There you go. <laughs> Buy your lunch with good, your savings. It's a good offer. Um, at least give you a chance to see what we're all about, see if it's helpful. And then if you want to bail uh, after a month, you just you cancel. So anyway, would you, I, I thought I would share that coupon code. What the heck? It might help a few people get interested. Thanks, Craig. appreciate it. Uh, Craig Kempke, TF Metals Report. His Chiefs are amazing. His Royals suck. Yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, man. They ever. And Alex Gordon retired. Yeah, how about my, that? My favorite yeah. base, my favorite baseball player. I watched Alex Gordon play in college at Nebraska. In fact, I actually ran. Uh, I managed the big screen at Haymarket Park the last couple of years he was in college. So I got nice. to watch a lot of baseball when he was in college. Man, he yeah. Was, they say he's a pretty good dude too. He's a he's a great guy. 
Great yeah, guy. That's what they say. And it was, yeah, he finally retired after, uh, geez, what was it, 16, 17 years? Is that Eight? how long uh, ago I was yeah. an undergrad? Yeah, long time. <laughs> yeah, you're getting to be an old fart. <laughs> well, you're also a great guy, uh, so don't Get let an anybody. An old fart. Yeah, don't let anybody tell you differently, Craig. Right, thank you. <laughs>